and welcome to COS Live. You can watch the original video broadcast live on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern. Visit conventionofstates.com slash pod to learn more. And now, here's COS Live. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to COS Live. I'm your host, Rita Peters. I'm the Senior Vice President for Legislative Affairs with Convention of States Action. And I'm sad to say I'm going solo today with hosting the program because my wonderful co-host Andrew Lush is actually out on a very special assignment that I'm sure we'll hear all about once he gets back. Maybe that'll be next week, but I'm going solo today. So thanks for tuning in for our program. I think you're really going to enjoy it. But before I get started and preview the program for you, want to remind you that we love to see who's watching and where you're from. So drop us a little comment, tell us where you're tuning in from, give us a like, a, you know, retweet, give us a comment. We love to get some of that interaction with you and know who our audience is tonight. Now, for all of you who love to get into the nitty gritty with Article 5, this episode is going to be for you. But don't worry, if you're not into that stuff, you're still going to love this episode because we've got a great guest. But we are going to get into a little bit of the weeds today. It will be a topic that is going to be one of national discussion once an Article 5 convention is actually called. A reminder, we are at 19 states having passed our resolution applying for an Article 5 Convention of the States. We need to get to 34. And today's topic is about faithful delegate legislation, otherwise known as faithful commissioner legislation. We're going to be talking to Paul Phillips. He is a close associate of mine on the national team. He is also an Indiana native, so let us know if you're watching from Indiana right now. And he helped lead the Indiana team to victory in passing their resolution. Now he's part of our national staff and works with me on a lot of special projects. He's going to break down for us today what's happening with these faithful commissioner laws and what it means for the Convention of States movement how it could help actually propel us to victory in our mission. And I'm also going to react to a new edition of COS Now to keep you up to date with Convention of States. That's going to be a challenge since I don't have my co-host here um, to react with me. You're just going to hear from me today. But before we get to that, we're going to go to Mike, as always, for our Article 5 trivia giveaway. Mike? Thank you, Rita. I hear you're doing the show solo today. I'm certainly glad to be here with you and with the rest of the folks out here in America that are supporting Convention of States. So they're, maybe they're just watching and wondering, should I get engaged? And of course, the answer is yes. And we're going to have some fun today because I'm going to give you some trivia, some questions that if you go way back with us, there's a really good chance you're going to know the answer to this, which is super important for us to understand and I'll get into that when I answer the question a little bit later. So you're definitely going to want to stick around. And what I'm going to do today is I'm going to give away one of these cool COS hats. It says Convention of States right on the side. And it's super comfortable. And of course, spring is here. The sun's out. Got to protect your face from all that sun. 
So hopefully you'll be the one that wins this hat. We'll let you choose whatever color you want. There's quite a variety at shopconventionestates.com. If you don't want to wait to see if you win or if you want to get one, if you don't win, just go to shopconventionestates.com and you can get a hat, you can get a shirt, you can get pretty much anything you want at our incredible online store. And remember that all of the proceeds from that store support exactly what we're doing, which is building the largest grassroots army in America, self-governing grassroots army in America, not to mention getting to 34, which is the number of states that we need to have a convention to be able to rein in the federal government. So here's my question of the day. You know, we've talked before on this show about how the call of an Article 5 convention is prompted when two-thirds of the states agree on the subject matter. Article 5 tells us that Congress is then legally obligated to call the convention. What does it mean to call? To answer that question, we can look at the most important interstate convention in our nation's history, the Convention of 1787. If you're a longtime viewer of this program, you know that it was the Commonwealth of Virginia, not the Confederation Congress, that made the call of the 1787 convention. Here's my question for the day. What two simple but important details did Virginia include in their call of the convention? And you're gonna to wanna to stick around if you don't know that one because it's a very important thing to know. And if you do know, get on that keyboard. Remember that by typing the answer in, not only are you displaying the incredible knowledge you have of Article 5, but we're also hoping that you are engaged in the conversation that's going on around this. Therefore, other people will be able to see this feed on their Facebook page or wherever they get their social media so they can participate and hopefully be inspired to hear what's going on with Convention Estates. Back to you, Rita, and I'll see you guys in a few minutes. Thanks, Mike. Now, before we get to our interview, let's see some history being made. Here's the latest news from the Convention of States movement around the country. It's this week's edition of COS Now. Well, what we hope you see is thousands of people flooding in from all over Texas and all over the country for the How Many More rally. Convention of States Action President Mark Meckler was on Tucker Carlson's final show on Fox News last week. More on that in a moment. Tucker, you'll remember, is a supporter of the Convention of States movement and has long been seen as a threat to the D.C. establishment narrative. Meanwhile, on April 20th, the Oklahoma team achieved another victory for COS. Even though theirs was the seventh state to join the movement, the team supported a resolution that defines rules for selecting commissioners to the convention. That legislation has achieved final passage through the Oklahoma State Legislature. Meanwhile, Convention of States co-founder and senior advisor Michael Ferris headlined a big rally in North Carolina outside their legislative buildings. Now, remember the $1.7 trillion bill that passed last December? So much bad spending probably a hundred different pieces of legislation. If we have a, a proposed amendment that's germane under our resolution to require a single subject rule in the United States Congress, that bill go away. That had to be broken up into a hundred bills. They wouldn't have floor time for all that nonsense. And half of them wouldn't pass if they were straight up. 
We can stop a lot of bad stuff by a single subject. The COS Colorado and Ohio teams also held events at their state capitals last week. This week, there will be COS rallies in Pennsylvania on April 25th, in Nevada on the 26th, and in Arizona on the 27th. So what was Mark Meckler talking to Tucker Carlson about? A strategy to put pressure on the Texas state legislature and Governor Abbott to take specific measures and stop the border crisis that is causing hundreds of thousands of deaths. Hundreds of thousands of Americans have died. Nobody in Washington cares. Mark Meckler cares. On April 29th, he's organizing a how many more rally at the state capitol in Austin, Texas. The goal is to end the crisis at the border and push back against the Mexican drug cartels. Hundreds of thousands of people dead from fentanyl right now. It's 70,000 a year, one every seven minutes. 30% of women at least being raped as they come up and into this country. Young children being sold into sexual slavery. So what we're going to do is we're going to tell the truth about what's going on. We're going to tell that truth to the American people broadly. Mark Meckler, Godspeed, April 29th, Austin, Texas, the rally. Thanks. That event is being sponsored by Commencement States with speakers like Ted Dugent, Congressman Chip Roy, Lara Logan, C.J. Pearson, and many more. You can RSVP at www.howmanymore.com. And now you're up to date with Convention of States. Wow, it is always so exciting to hear about all of the grassroots activity going on around the country for Convention of States. You know, you heard about rallies in North Carolina, Colorado, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Nevada, Arizona, our grassroots are on fire, they're active, and it's so exciting to hear about that. And it's great to see um, Mike Ferris out in North Carolina. North Carolina is a very hot state right now. Just as a reminder, we've already passed there in the House and just waiting for the Senate to act on our resolution. North Carolina could become state number 20 to apply for a convention of states. Um, other thing I want to mention is, you know, you saw Mark Meckler on Tucker Carlson talking about the how many more rally. You know, it's we all hate to see Tucker Carlson leave Fox. But I do want to mention again that um, how many more rally that Mark was talking about on that very last interview. So important, y'all. There is an absolute crisis on the border in Texas and you know, if you want to love your neighbor and care about stopping the, you know, drug trafficking, sex trafficking, rape, and just all of the horrors happening right now on the border in Texas, if you can in any way be there, make plans to be at that rally on April 29th, so important, and I hope they get a great turnout. So with that, and thanks for that, um, that little montage, Producer G, you always do such a great job bringing us that news of what's happening with Convention of States across the country. But now we are going to go ahead and transition to our interview. I'd like to welcome onto today's program a couple of very special guests. We have Brett Sturley, who is the state director for Convention of States Missouri, state number 12, to pass our resolution. Welcome to the program, Brett. Thank you, Rita. Glad to be here. And I would also like to welcome someone who is a superstar in the legislative department on the national team. It's legislative associate Paul Phillips. 
He helps me out a lot, and he is a longtime volunteer with our Indiana team. So, Paul, let's start with the basics. We are seeing some states that have already passed the COS resolution start to act on these faithful commissioner bills. It's kind of the next logical step in the process as they prepare to actually get to the convention that they've applied for. But just give us the basics. What is a faithful delegate or faithful commissioner bill, and why are some state legislatures interested in adopting this? Well, let me start with why some state legislatures are interested in adopting these, um, because I'm very excited about that. It's an indication that uh, they're taking this seriously, and they believe that it's a question of when, not if, we will have a convention of states. And uh, they want to get prepared ahead of time to make sure uh, the convention runs properly and uh, there aren't any problems with uh, delegates straying from their commissions. Now, you mentioned uh, faithful uh, de delegate or faithful commissioner laws and then commissioner selection laws. There are really kind of two flavors. So a faithful commissioner uh, law is going to make sure that the commissioners that the state send are going to be true to their, their commission, the instructions they're giving. And those will typically set up uh, a legal cause of action uh, for a commissioner who strays uh, from their commission. Uh, in my state, Indiana, for example, that is uh, a level six felony. So some jail time and a fine if uh, a delegate strays from, strays from the course. The other part of that are commissioner selection legislation. And these are some uh, guidelines that are going to tell the future legislature, <clears throat> give them a process for uh, selecting and instructing the commissioners. And uh, it, it's very good, I believe, that they're, doing, they're exercising some foresight and thinking ahead on, on how this is gonna work. And these uh, commissioner selection resolutions um, have the added benefit, and I'm not gonna go into details, but, but that they're not binding on the future legislature, which means that we're putting some forethought into it, but when we get to the last minute, if there are some changes or tweaks that need to be made, it's not gonna be a violation of anything. So again, in my state, Indiana, uh, the law says that we're gonna send two commissioners and two alternates. If we get to convention and the, the legislature at that time says, well, that may not be enough, we're gonna send five, um, that's okay. They're not violating any law by doing that. Great. Now, Paul, do you happen to know how many or about how many states have already passed this kind of legislation and have it as law? on their books right now. Sure, there are in the neighborhood of 10, 10 or 11 that have already passed uh, this type of legislation. Mm -hmm. And there are around five or six that are actively working on uh, getting this same kind of legislation passed. Yeah, and you mentioned your home state, Indiana, has one of the toughest, if not the toughest one out there as far as the penalty for a commissioner who violates his or her oath. So right. that's pretty strong medicine. And um, I like to, to be able to point to that. Now, Brett, I want to talk to you about this too. At Convention of States Action, if you 
you know, volunteer for us or if you've studied the issue, we all know that the founding fathers made the Article 5 convention a super safe process. It's the highest bar in the American system of governance with two thirds of the states required to agree on the agenda of beforehand in order to get to convention. And then a full three fourths of the states in order to successfully ratify an amendment as part of the US Constitution. So that's a huge bar that we already have to cross. Additionally, we know that there have been at least 42 interstate conventions in American history. There's never been a runaway convention. In other words, there's never been an interstate convention in history where a group of commissioners decided to violate the call or violate their instructions and just go do whatever they wanted. We know that the commissioners are selected and instructed by the state legislatures and then they go to the convention as agents of those state legislatures. So in light of all of that protection that's already just built into the process, Brett, why is it that we're taking such an interest in this type of legislation? What's well, a great question, and it's kind of a continuation of passing the resolution, the underlying resolution, because a lot of, um, you know, some of the things that were, were told to us by legislators or questions that were asked of, of just like, well, I'm not really sure if we want to do this or not, because we don't know who's going to go uh, to, to convention to represent Missouri or our, our state, um, you know, what their instructions are going to be, anything like that. So this is the next logical step that um, we can continue that conversation and just go to the legislator or, you know, even our opponent, some of our opponents, they're actually willing to listen. Um, we can go to mainly to the legislators and say, okay, this is, you asked this question. Okay. This answers that question. This is the process. And in, in, as you stated, it's totally in the legislate legislature's control. So uh, when we go to a legislator, we can, um, go to them and, and go with the evidence that there's never been a runaway convention, that the hurdle is so high that the likelihood of anything nefarious ever happening uh, is, is, is incredibly uh, remote. And it, if it does, then you know what, it's, it's your fault because you have the power to control who goes to the, who goes to convention you give them instructions and then you provide oversight and here's the process uh, by which you can do that so if this you know if any if anything bad happens or if you're afraid of anything that you're afraid of happens well it's pretty much your fault and guess what the grassroots we're going to be here to make sure that we have input on um the 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 commissioners that that represent our state and also some of the proposals that are made at convention and we're going to be watching Absolutely. And, you know, I love this picture of federalism in action because what I see happening from my vantage point is I see legislators in states that haven't yet passed the resolution and who, you know, might be a little bit nervous about it. It's new. We've never done it before. And as they're learning about the process, when I can point them to states that have already passed like Indiana and have these laws on their books and they see, oh, you know, that's what we do. That's how this works. 
it is really helpful to them. So it's states learning from what their sister states are doing. And it is a beautiful thing to see federalism work that way. Now, I want to rewind to something exciting that happened just last week, Paul. As you know, the Oklahoma legislature passed a faithful commissioner bill, and that was a huge victory for our Oklahoma team, which was state number seven to pass the COS resolution. Can you tell us a little bit about that and why were the activists in Oklahoma supporting that legislation? Why was it so important to them? Uh, well, it, it's so important because uh, it pre preserves a process and adds some predictability uh, to how the commissioners are gonna selected, what their qualifications are, and um, there's there's often a concern uh, raised that they, we don't know how an Article Five convention works because after all, Article Five is very brief. It doesn't tell um, the state legislators how to select a commissioner, and um, laying out this legislation takes away that doubt um, and lays out some great guidelines for the future legislature that's going to select the commissioners. And, you know, as I said, they're not binding, but it is the, the practice of legislators to pretty much follow the, the guidelines or, or the work that the current legislatures have done on this issue. Great. Now, Brett, I want to know if you know about other states that are currently working on faithful commissioner legislation right now. And I'm asking you because I hear that your state of Missouri might be hot in this area right now. Yeah, we are. Missouri is working on this and uh, we've actually we've this is the third year that we've introduced our commissioner selection bill. Um, we we passed the full Senate the last two sessions we passed. We have two committees we have to pass in the House. Uh, we passed both of those committees uh, each of the last two years, but never got made it to the floor for various reasons. Um, and this year, uh, we have our our uh, our bill has gone through is on the calendar in both the House and the Senate, and uh, we had to make a little uh, minor modification, amending it onto an existing bill um, that passed the Senate that's over being getting ready to be heard in the House here right now. Um, to um, to to get to the floor, and that's just kind of the the, the the peculiar mechanics that the Missouri legislature is going through here right now. So, um, you know, so we're very excited about that. Uh, we've we have assurances from uh, leadership from the speaker's office that that bill is going to get heard uh, quickly, pass, and we know that we have the support both in the House and the Senate. So, so we we're definitely looking forward to that. And interestingly enough, uh, with going through this process. Uh, we have we have picked up um, uh, legislators who might have opposed our underlying resolution previously are supporting uh, this bill because it answers those questions that they may have had that, you know, that, that, that we answered for them. But, you know, we're, we are the show me state. So sometimes you have to show the legislators. So um, so here we're showing you this. This is the process. And uh, so it's it's been very uh, it's been very good uh, through committees. We've gotten bipartisan uh, support because even uh, you know, I mean, we are a nonpartisan organization, but, um, you know, Republicans and, and Democrats both 
realize that the states have no voice and no representation in Washington, D.C. whatsoever now. And this is a way for them to reassert their uh, constitutional authority over the federal government and actually have their voice heard. Brett, I am amazed by your level of knowledge about this, by um, the degree of experience you have in working in the legislature. And I just want to remind our viewers, you are a volunteer. So I want to say thank you for everything you do. You do it for the love of your country and because of your concern for the direction that we're headed, you have latched on to COS as the positive, proactive, constitutional solution to the problems in our country. Um, and I'm going to come back to you on that in just a minute. But for now, I just want to say thank you for everything that you're doing. Then I want to go to Paul. Paul, you referenced earlier the fact that there are really two kind of components in this type of legislation. There's, you know, the penalty for a commissioner who violates his or her instructions or oath. Um, but there's also the the process, spelling out the process of selecting the commissioners who go to the convention to represent the state legislature. That is something that the state legislatures get to decide how they're going to do that. Can you give us any idea what kind of selection processes are we seeing in in these bills? Sure. You know, how do the state legislatures want to choose their commissioners? Uh, yeah, I'll give you some examples because they vary greatly state by state, uh, which isn't a surprise because our states are all very independent. But uh, a, a typical uh, selection legislation would include something like qualifications uh, to be a commissioner, uh, a minimum age. You have to be a resident of the state. Um, you can't hold a federal office, uh, nor can you hold a statewide office like governor Attorney General, Secretary of State. And, and a lot of these will outline who does the selecting. Oftentimes, a, a certain number are selected by the Senate, a certain number by the House, sometimes a couple of them by uh, the governor. Uh, some states require that um, a handful, maybe one or two of the uh, commissioners be non-legislators, just ordinary citizens. Um, so there, there's a wide range of uh, qualifications, uh, who does the selection. And, and many states also set up some type uh, of advisory board uh, to help the, uh, the commissioners uh, with understanding what is allowed and what isn't, and, and also to help the legislature with monitoring the commissioner's activities or giving a, a, a point to uh, report a commissioner who, who may be out of bounds. Fascinating. And Paul, let me ask you too, before we go back to Brett, um, as we get closer to convention, do you think we're going to start seeing other states take up this kind of legislation, even if they haven't passed our Article 5 application? What, what do you expect to see from those uh, states? Absolutely. Uh, we already have states uh, taking up uh, commissioner selection legislation, even though they have not passed our application. I, you know, I think New Hampshire is an example, uh, Wyoming, you know, I, I can think of some others, but yeah. it, you know, it really doesn't matter what order the legislature does it. They can do the application first, 
then the commissioner selection legislation or vice versa, do the commissioner selection first and then the application. Either way works. And again, as I said, each state's going to do it their own way. Got it. Brett, before we close the program, I want to go back to you and back to what I was talking about a minute ago, because, you know, I'm sure that our viewers like me, when they hear about, you know, you're going to the legislature, you're working with the legislators on these bills and, you know, you have so much knowledge of this process and you're doing all this work on your own time as a volunteer. I want to hear in your own words, why are you doing all this? Well, <clears throat> thank you for your kind words, uh, Rita. And you know, we, we are, I mean, I'm blessed. We are all, all blessed by being able to have, you know, great, um, uh, be able to lean on advice and guidance from, from you, Rita, from Paul, from our different, from our different leaders and just learning, you know, the, the history and, and the, the history behind article five and the reason why the constitution was drafted the way that it was. And, um, you know, honestly, I've, I've been volunteering since 2014, so uh, I, I just I just love it. It's in my blood, and I, I guess maybe whatever successes that we've been able to have as a team, and I've been able to have it. The legislature has been the result of probably making uh, several mistakes uh, over the last uh, nine or ten years and learning from them, hopefully. And uh, you know, I, I just I just enjoy I, I enjoy it. Um, it's a it, it's a it's a role. I, I, it's an, it's not a role that I was looking for. Uh, I was not looking for to to be uh, uh, to be up at the Capitol every week and and be basically you know lobbying and develop legislators and developing these relationships. But you know I think it was something to where um, I firm I firmly believe that 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 we're we're all in a specific role that we're in right now at this specific time on purpose, uh, and I believe that that is my calling. And I try to, I try to quiet my mind um, and and listen to what I'm I'm being instructed to do. And I do believe it is a it is a calling from God because this is our creation, His creation that that we were put in charge of. And frankly, we've let go of the rope, and we have seen everything that has happened in our society here now, and some of the debates that are, are taking place here right now, and. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's uh, I, I think that I've been called to do whatever I can do in order to help, um, you know, pr preserve this great creation that God has given us. And uh, hopefully um, I'm, I'm able to continue doing that. And um, I, I, I do I do I do enjoy it. And uh, we have a great team here in Missouri. Um, and uh, a great and a great legislative team that does outreach. And so um Developing those relationships are, are a lot of fun as well. It has to be enjoyable uh, to keep to keep yeah. doing it as well. Well, you do it so well. And Paul, same to you. I, I don't know how I could possibly do the work in the legislative department without you. So Brett, Paul, thank you so much for being with us today on COS Live and Godspeed in all that you're doing. Thanks, Rita. Thank you, Rita. What a great show. As always, it's so much fun to be a part of this show, to be able to see all the great interviews that are happening, all the things that are happening throughout the U.S. 
and it's never been busier with us here in Convention Estates. So for those of you that don't remember, I gave you guys a pretty fun trivia question earlier on, and congratulations to all of you that got the answer, and we're we giving away this incredible hat, COS hat. It says Convention Estates right on the side, I guess it's on this side. And if you didn't win the hat, just go to shopconventionestates.com and you can grab one. So if you remember, the question is about the 1787 convention. And I, you probably know that it was the Commonwealth of Virginia, not the Confederation Congress that made the call of the 1787 convention. And the question was, what too simple but important details did Virginia include in their call of the convention? The answer, time and place. That's right, the time and the place. That's why we said a little bit earlier that the Congress is obligated to call the convention. When they call the convention, it's just the time and the place. It's not whether to and it's not how to, it's the time and the place. The Commonwealth of Virginia said the state should meet on the second Monday in May 1787 in Philadelphia, devising and discussing all such alterations and further provisions as may be necessary to render the federal constitution adequate to the exigencies of the union. And that's exactly what the states agreed to when they passed their similar resolutions, sending delegates to that convention where Article 5 and the rest of the U.S. Constitution was crafted. So there's your story for the day. Hopefully it uh, really helps you understand how Article 5 works and how important it is. Thanks so much. For more information, our website is incredible. Just go to shop. Excuse me. Don't, well, if you want to buy a hat, go to shopconventionestates.com. But if you want to learn more about Convention Estates, just simply go to conventionestates.com. And I'm going to turn it back over to you, Rita, to wrap it up for the day. Thanks, Mike. We do this show every week to reach, teach, and activate Americans with the constitutional empowerment gifted to we the people. If you're ready to take your place among the Americans who are doing whatever it takes to restore our republic, sign up for one of the volunteer roles with COS. Go to conventionofstates.com and click on the Take Action tab to get started. Don't forget to subscribe to our social media accounts. Search Convention of States on Rumble, MeWe, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Parler, Truth Social, and Instagram. You can listen to this program as well as Crossroads with yours truly, the Liberty Update, and legacy content from our archives on the official Convention of States podcast. We've received several five-star reviews, and thank you for those. Those really help our shows to grow. So please go to conventionofstates.com slash pod to learn more. Check out the battle cry with COS President Mark Meckler Sunday nights at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. We'll see you next Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition of COS Live. We've got a country to save, so let's get to work. Thanks for joining us. This has been the podcast version of COS Live. Check out more content at conventionofstates.com slash pod. Thank you for listening.